late good evening everyone this is abhivadan from industing and we are here for a very interesting episode of industing season 2 now i had written an article entitled on industing.medium.com which you can read uh, by which is the title of this uh, episode for industing which is neoliberalism is not so simple and uh, it triggered certain reactions from my people in sm and i found that uh, one of my uh, twitter arty friends God of Lily really like the article so thank you so much for saying it that it was a sensible essay so uh, welcome God of to Indistinct and uh, uh, I would like to discuss the nuances of the article some things beyond it some things about it why did I write that article and uh, it would be certainly a pleasure to discuss the the same with you in this and in this hour so viewers who join now and also those who are being watching thank you so much for supporting Indistinct through that. So uh when we talk about neoliberalism what happens is we say that there's a particular trend which it's leading to its downfall which is leading to a proper backlash that it suffers but we do not understand neither its economics its social impact as well as its technological impact we uh, see it only from a perspective of ideology and politics and we very much limit our way this was a very big inspiration why i wrote that article so for example i wrote about neoliberalism in a very simple thing and i gave three points that yes i agree and i completely agree that uh, there's an article by aris rusinus from uk in unheard u n h e r d you can read the article on the imperial past of liberalism we all can agree upon that why liberalism has an imperial past and uh, that comes with certain european and american thinkers who had a relationship with it less american more british more european so that i completely understand that has its own phase it completely shifted with time it you know degenerated and regenerated in its own way now the second point which i also agree with is that yes liberalism can swallow and regenerate its own formulations i can take examples of cultures in india and other places in the world not just india but other places in the world which have been eaten up by liberal culture or the liberal way of doing things which is to say to take certain parts of whatever culture cultural asset or cultural practice you find and you just eat it up completely ejaculate its identity and just you know what build something there and you don't recognize it i can give funnier examples in america where to say that you know what there are certain practices which are indian in nature it's a different question whether you want to prove it scientifically or not that's a different question altogether but there is some basic understanding in under unesco's understanding of culture that traditional knowledge of a country matters and uh, this part is actually not even debatable because we don't even need to get into the origin part of it which we always discuss very obsessively on social media which gorov knows better than me he's a history guy i'm not so uh, it's uh, futile to discuss ait oit etc here because it doesn't matter anyways the culture of host culture or domestic culture particularly is something which is of its own uniqueness now of course people can say are in any we have a merged it or mixed it we have its own syncretic purpose which is fine which is what the japanese try to do what the koreans try to do for example even indians have tried to do which is fine wo to ek subset ho gaya it's a by product but uh, this is something which uh, people generally do not realize fast the second part uh, the third part which i also agree with which of course it can de- let, lead to degeneracy of cultures which is to say that cultures as they exist can be given a degenerate status now it can happen economically 
I can talk about various societies in India whose cultures have been deracinated, languages have been trampled with, and that has happened because of economic reasons. Yes, there's no doubt about it. But it depends how systemic it is. That is how systemic it is not. Because if you don't do a quantifiable analysis, we can't, uh, uh, you know, analyze liberalism and even colonialism for that matter. And this is why I wrote about neoliberalism in that way. Because usually neoliberalism is associated with the post-Cold War history of 1990s when the WTO was formed and, you know, the bi the bipolar, the, the, not a bipolar, the unipolar era for a limited time of Bill Clinton, blah, 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 and Tony Blair. <laughs> and uh, I understand that, you know, liberalism, as I say in my article, liberalism in practical terms was also a force which held strong due to economic and utility reasons. Now, certain aspects of capitalism and socialism have practical value. That's a different question. How, what merits they have? I'm not getting on them right away because, again, uh, it depends on what kind of a state are you. Like for a country like India, which tries to say it's a welfare state, it still has certain flaws, which is to say that, you know what, uh, its uh, so-called socialist policies have not been helping properly. Welfare is a different issue. Di direct access is a different issue. But inclusion of a larger population, industrialization, which is very well needed, which many people say that India is a pre-industrial country, and all of that matters. That is something which is definitely quote-unquote socialist in that way, or let us say big state phenomena, which the Americans talk about generally. But we need that. This is a basic thing we need. But it also doesn't mean we don't need free markets. We need free markets. And uh, both of them can come in because very various East Asian economies have done. So I think... Context is very important to understand liberalism. Um, I would further argue that even countries like Japan and South Korea, despite the fact that, yes, there has been some deracination of their cultures, no doubt about it, they have still tried to preserve certain cultural elements very strongly. In fact, as compared to ASI and <laughs> India's cultural institutions, you know, the institutions which have cultural research and all of that to do with, Japanese are excellent in uh, preserving their culture uh, and uh, cultural artifacts and assets and practices. They fund them. They properly have a proper, you know, policy for it. Our problem is, you know, post-colonial state, blah, blah, blah. We, we generally uh, tend to ignore the fact that we need to basically de-hyphenate our approaches. So... <laughs> So, you know, uh, so, yeah, I think that's where I think my the trigger came in to write this article also. People also say that, you know what, okay, uh, we, were, we were an agriculture society, which is agrarian society. Now we are more of an industrial society. And in the words of uh, the great Jeevishif Kumarji from Indic Academy, we have the industrial dynamic, which he talks about. So. Uh, Gaurav, you can uh, look at the Jeevish Kumarji's works on Indic civilization, okay. on Indic today. Very, very interesting works. And he talks about how the industrial dynamic uh, transforms our world. Now, I am not getting on this debate whether the individual and individualism as we see in that sense, uh, you know, existed in ancient India or not, because I'm not a person of history. But I'm mm. definitely interested in the fact that while we are India, I certainly don't think that individual as an individual per se, as an entity per se, a human individual and uh, identity groups, which is communities of any sort, okay, any faith or anything, they are basically by all means just because they are not the same, which is individual and community by entity wise, they are different, right? It's like saying uh, 
it's like saying a psu versus a private limited company <laughs> although i'm not mm-hmm. meaning that way it doesn't mean that just because they are different in that entitative sense they are against each other the whole problem has been which is my view is that uh, even in the west it has been an effort to tie in certain phases of the western history that you know what no no individuals and communities are not against each other but we also understand that often it does not happen people have problems we have seen the history of scientists and artists and what not in the west especially britain and U- usa where people have tried to do a great things but sometimes the society has not been supportive sometimes the individual does not understand society both can happen both cannot happen it depends so i think i've addressed this binary problem always that assuming that individuals and communities are against each other is something which is very counterproductive and it is not true and that's why i say that people need to remove the colonial impact lens for a second i don't say it doesn't mean that you should not condemn colonial you know problems and all of that but without doing quantifiable analysis or without even realizing how quantifiable it is uh, no one can come up with proper estimates because my analysis has been for colonialism that uh, and i uh, do it by uh, reading certain important works which certain people have produced including the great book which gorav has reviewed <laughs> india that is bharat by advocate jsd and <laughs> i like the book but i somehow agree with gorav's view that uh, the problem with the book was deeper that even if it is clear in its agenda somewhere down the line the tone and tenor uh, is um, not something which is it's like too too much over hyping in certain aspects and uh, this is something which i felt and this is why i really very very bluntly wrote it in my article that liberalism is failing as a global alternative because like constitutionalism and when we understand constitutionalism what yeah. we know what it is right that the problem with the uh, uh, constitutionalism is and there's a book published by being published by harvard university it's coming very soon which is how constitutionalism has been a farcical farcical idea which is what it is i mean the, the book the book's author says okay you can disagree with that that's a different problem altogether uh, it has nothing to do with uh, basic first principles or fundamental rights or anything it has to do with the fact that you treat constitution itself as everything by not understanding that first principle rights are the thing which society needs to uphold एंड वेन अ कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन इज नॉट एर सोसाइटी कैन से ठीक है भैया टॉप डाउन नहीं है तो हम बॉटम टॉप पे हम तो ला रहे हैं ताकि टॉप डाउन रहे बिकॉज दैट इज हाउ द फंक्शनैलिटी शुड वर्क यहाँ पे उल्टा हो रहा है यहाँ पे कॉन्स्टिट्यूशन इज कंसिडर्ड अगर चैम्पिच डर्क लाइक दैट आइडोनिकली आई टेल यू वन मोर फिनोमिना पीपल से ना कि जजेस हैव दिस कॉलोनियल प्रॉब्लम ब्ला 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 ठीक है आई अंडरस्टैंड दैट सर्टन जजेस हैव and i'm not going to talk about the honorable apex court of india simply because the apex court is a very different institution altogether its problems in delhi are very different from the high courts so let's talk about high courts a little bit because i'm dish to because we are talking about constitutionalism in high courts generally what used to happen in the past that comparative jurisprudence bahut hota tha jaise environment issue hai mm-hmm. ya competition to utna nahi tha us samay but adr hai arbitration ye sabhi hai all of these matters in which you'll see a trend that comparative law was very much cited you know people uh, judges citing uh, judgments from america uk france uh, south africa i mean i'm not talking about ancient time ancient world now cold war era i'm talking about the recent times and that used to happen sim- not just because of this post colonial and all of that stuff which we talk about but it also used to happen simply because it was a way to bargain for legal principles and legal annotations 
they are merely like legal anecdotes you want to give certain example to prove your point that's for dy chandrachur honorable judge for the supreme court in the puttasamy judgment date in 2017 the funny part is that uh, many people claim it was plagiarized <laughs> but leaving that point uh, in the judgment he cites a lot of american jurisprudence but uh, people condemn one point that even if it is very flowery as a judgment it does not even lay proper guidelines how to start with privacy protection because merely by stating that privacy is a principle you can't work it out on solution because that's not how it works now of course that's a different issue when we talk about the personal data protection bill and i i'm not discussing about law so let's come out of that limbo so 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 people think that you know uh constitutionalism which is now failing liberalism is also failing because it had to because what happens is my observation is that it has it is a linear policy it doesn't a linear policy mein kya hota hai when you create something it reaches its end point anyways you can try to delay it but you can't just duck it you can't avoid it but it also doesn't mean that everything is binary it simply means that there are certain policy phenomena whose first order second order effects are very common sensically known and uh, um, that's what uh, has been the culmination of the western civilization i appreciate works by people like uh, tom holland rajiv khan and etc and i think that linearity ka trend hai jo dikhta hai but again it doesn't mean that the west can can can't bite back because uh, uh, you know as in agreement with sanjeev sanyal's uh, pro, you know interest in promoting the idea of complex adaptive systems which is what is correct economically cyclicality bhi west mein thi but kitni thi we still don't know hum research nahi karte hain या फिनोमेना का अभी प्रॉपर स्टडी नहीं हो रहा बट अमेरिका में देर इज अंस्टीट्यूट विच इज ऑलरेडी डूइंग इट सो इट डिपेंड्स ऑन हाउ वी सी पॉलिसी बिकॉज ओके सो वन फनी एग्जाम्पल इन एंटरटेनमेंट विच आई गिव आई गिव इट टू रुचेर ऑल्सो वन टाइम इन इंडस्टिंग दैट यू नो पीपल से दैट द एंग्लोस्फेयर थिंग्स लाइक दिस अबाउट पर्टिकुलर कंट्रीज एंड यू नो दे डोंट रिस्पेक्ट इंडियन हिस्ट्री कल्चर एक्सेट्रा बट ओके लेट्स लीव दैट पॉइंट फॉर अल बिकॉज यू नॉट डिस्कसिंग दैट but why is it that all of these uh, interestingly the hollywood celebrities and all of those why are they so interested to act and star in all of these movies which are featuring the history of three important points in western history the first world war the second world war including the auschwitz etc etc mid events blah 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 and the cold war i can tell you so many dozens of series on netflix amazon prime blah 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 on cold war and all of this why are they obsessed with this when they when they in the name of wokeness say that you know what these just do not matter at all because one argument of postmodernism has been i'm not getting on decoloniality at all you have to uska itna matlab nahi hai but postmodernism mein hai ki um they claim it are nahi uh, your history has been like this history has been like this and so so we will just reject it well, i mean you can move on and do better i don't know how that logic stands so i think in that regard this seems very weird so it also show the cyclicality hai you want some continuity from the past man lo koi burai nahi hai it's perfectly okay every civilization does that in its own way russians do it in their own way they still i mean why is it that when vladimir putin and uh, boris yeltsin came to power boris yeltsin ke baad vladimir putin so when boris yeltsin came in why is it that uh, uh, they 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 basically had the imperial symbol of the russian empire फॉर द रशियन फेडरेशन सो सब लोग अपने इतिहास को याद रखते हैं वेन वी टॉक अबाउट इरान वी ऑलवेज टॉक अबाउट शियाइट मूवमेंट एंड इरान केम फ्रॉम आर्यन इनफैक्ट इन देर सिम्बल्स टू द आर्यन हिस्ट्री बट आई एम नॉट टॉकिंग अबाउट ए एम टी एक्सेट्रा सो या 
I always give this disclaimer for the sake of uh, awareness <laughs> for people <laughs> because um, uh, people have a short term memory sadly when they hear podcast and everything so iran ki history hai china also refers to confucian confucius and marx in a very interesting way uh, uh european union has an anthem called ode to joy which was written by ludwig van beethoven a classical europeanist who was very much influenced by eastern ideas uh american institutions and american architecture they have been heavily influenced by the roman empire in fact the whole concept of the american senate and house of representatives was inspired by the roman empire's democracy so everything is like they take certain tweaks from continuity of their own way they create their own continuity and move on india has also tried to do so the ashoka symbol the you know everything i mean i can go on and on and on so continuity hoti hai we can refer to the works of sri aurobindo and all of, all of those uh, great thinkers and even they show that continuity is a thing there but linearity is something i'm not saying that uh, you know indian should be idly idly have a linear policy towards everything i'm not saying that i'm just saying ki uh, if you if if people are really interested in studying the west properly they need to understand both of these aspects very very importantly because according to me this is my understanding there are four or entropy if uh, somebody understands entropy it simply means aap aap kitne garam ho are you active or there you know the real time state of yours so it's like to say there are four it's states it's a bit more complicated than that but yeah for this i know for the sake of viewers only <laughs> yeah yeah i was a i was a science guy so yeah. pardon my uh, ignorance for that so four states of a civilization and this is also crypto investor balaji shrinivas talks about first is linear end point pahuncha khatam second order third order effect hoga second is cyclical continuity hai kuch continue kar rahe ho third stage uh, that is uh, helical combination of one and two most civilizations which want to survive go for one and two together one akele nahi ho sakta counter productive hai deracination hai deindustrialization etc etc two bhi nahi ho sakta kyunki aap kyunki two ka problem ye hai ki and then i'll come to stage number 4 stage number 4 ho jata hai matlab hai stopping doing nothing becoming a museum culture hua hi nahi kuch hai hi nahi so two ko log four bhi samajh lete hain this is a phenomena which is problem i have seen that people say we just don't want to do anything which is what people say that which is what I'm we used to do so that is cyclical that sort of argument yeah ha ye sort of argument yeah so this is a flawed problem because agar hum aise samjhenge to hum kabhi kuch kar nahi payenge i am just saying that civilization states everywhere exist to basically से देखो बेटा लिनियरिटी रुक जाओ हम तुम्हारा डायरेक्शन दोबारा शिफ्ट कर देते हैं लेट अस शेप योर डिस्प्लेसमेंट लेट अस शेप योर डायरेक्शन एंगल्स एंड एवरीथिंग बिकॉज़ दैट्स व्हाट सिविलाइजेशंस डू दैट्स व्हाट रशियन एंपायर यूज्ड टू डू दैट्स व्हाट चाइना यूज्ड टू डू चाइना डिड इट इट्स ओन वे आई एम नॉट सेइंग चाइना इज करेक्ट मैंने तो नहीं कहा ना आई एम जस्ट सेइंग दैट्स व्हाट दे डिड somewhere down the line i even i would argue that when modern india was formed even it tried to do it do the same way but wo alag baat hai india kitna kar paya that's a different question not together so these phenomena exist because of their own nature it's not something that uh, and we can't ignore that so what does it mean is that when we analyze coloniality and all of these things we need to understand that yes there was problem but then come if you are so interested in passionate be quantifiable or qualifiable jaise the one funny argument which i hear every time people say agar aap english mein varta kar rahe hain to aap angrezi mein hi soch rahe honge Hmm. this is what people say 
आई हैवली डिसग्री आई डोंट थिंक सो हो सकता है आप किसी और भाषा में सोच रहे हो सो कल्चरल इंटेलिजेंस नेवर गोज अवे योर नेटिव लैंग्वेज ऑलवेज हेल्प्स यू समवेयर डाउन द लाइन English is just a means of communication for certain things. English is not even a difficult language for that matter, boss. It's just about how people see it, right? So, advanced civilizations use languages and all of these things for their use in their own way. India always has been a multilingual country and multilingual civilization. In that country, नहीं बोलूँगा थोड़ा ज़्यादा हो जाएगा civilization बोलता हूँ because uh, I had a talk with Dr. Balram Shukla from Delhi University, IIS Shimla also, yeah. and uh, he's a lingual expert in Sanskrit, Urdu, Farsi. Ironically, he was even uh, uh, mis, mi, you know, mistreated by many people in social media, which I'll not discuss. But such a great linguist, he says that Prakrit and Sanskrit very much inspire the or uh, the or the origin words of Urdu and Farsi, which is a fact. And uh, even Nityanand Mishra ji agrees on that. Uh, uh, that's a fact. So uh, uh, interestingly, uh, uh, multilingualism has driven India for. years it has always done that otherwise there would not have been possibility of any intercommunication between communities and people in that sense and this is what we just ignore or we just deliberately just do not even take into consideration lete hi nahi hai so uh, yes it's good to preach diversity but you have to feel also what is diversity at the first place and this is something which is a difficult phenomena that's why i wrote that article um so that, therefore yeah just one thing which i uh, will quote from my article i always talk about that strategic intelligence and cultural intelligence always shape your or your mobility therefore i am not talking about uh, the need to reform or not because this is something which is a different question altogether uh, reforming something which is is a very difficult question because when you reform you anyways change you mobilize you anyways change uh, for the me both of them are different because i think sometimes you need tit bit mobility to transform your scenarios and this is not just about uh, culture it's can be about anything but yeah in certain things you need to reform but then you need to need you need to know what is the impact of it kya impact kar rahe ho do you know what's going to happen can you at least foresee because there are there's already a lot of work happening on risk intelligence and risk perception which is something for a country like us very important <laughs> which uh, you know is interested in cultural revival but is not interested in cultural nuance and you know basically developing that high culture so mm. so 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 this there i end i went for 23 minutes but yeah so gorav you can go ahead you can feel yeah. free to ask questions relevant questions i would be happy to take them so yeah 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 so yeah one just interject not interjection per se so when you said about what india tried to do after independence using the symbols of uh, the mauryan empire and some language like the emblem and many other things which were tried to uh, tried to create uh, tried to be used in the myth creation the national myth creation which started after 1947 so one of the reasons i would say that was not successful is because like if you like uh, the leaders particularly uh, jawaharlal nehru looked back at the mauryan era as one where the entire subcontinent so to speak was under a political rule so it was probably under political rule during the mauryan empire as and then under the mughal empire because he didn't want to appropriate the mughal empire he chose the mauryan empire but the thing was no one understood what mauryan empire was no one had any relevance to that so in my view it would he would have been better served had he used any directly hindu motifs 
like from the itihasa or from like ramayana mahabharata which mattered to the people ashoka was a distinct figure then the task was to create a myth around it and sell that myth to the nation which can happen like people have done that but we did not have the state capacity to actually do it so that may be one of the reasons why it failed it was not because cyclicity did not have any value at that point but the myth you are taking from is so old and is it it may have been relevant 1000 uh, years ago 1500 years ago but 1947 it was not relevant outside like 1% or 0.5% people so that may be one of the reasons that myth making and that idea of india failed so i mean there were many other reasons why it failed but this can be uh, if you want to go back to the past and want some continuity that doesn't like work if people are have not bought into that that past they may have bought into some other in like uh, intermediate levels of past so on and so forth so an example like uh, on the contrary the maratha state which we ha- had in maharashtra so that was pretty much alive in the consciousness of the people in in maratha in maratha maharashtra so if those state symbols were used like i am not saying they could have worked across india but hypothetically was there a nation state of maharashtra being thought about as for the uh, regional state so those symbols work and they have been like uh, we can preserve the past as well as go ahead so we can take the so called helical approach in that uh, in that way which was not possible for a vast country like india so that was one of the things so and another thing is like what are your particular thoughts about where do we like which are the examples where you think the linearity argument is overplayed like for example you said that it leads to deracination in people and they sort of tend to forget and it is inevitable that it will have it will hit a stop and then you will have nowhere to go you will either have to create something new or you will have to go back to your older roots and then so how like what are your particular issues with the linearity approach like with maybe some I'll, examples correct, for indian context yeah 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 so i'll uh, give a simple example why uh so uh, western history is very interesting okay and uh, india's culture is very interesting it's asiatic but it has also in- inspirations from the greco roman history we can't just deny that it is but uh, um one thing which i found was and i would be very happy to give examples anyways now is that when it comes to economic policy for example every country has evolved okay uh, europe had feudalism britain the british brought industrial revolution therefore redefining capitalism and what not the americans also followed the same and uh, then certain countries followed the suit certain countries did not in europe and things started to change with time right but uh, uh we all know that in the west also certain economic policies like for example the neoliberal way of doing things which is the global capitalism of mncs and all of these companies why is it suffering backlash is simply because uh foreseeability of a post policy is something which in my view is seen in two ways 
वन कि जब हो रहा है तब कैसा है एंड सेकेंड वेन यू आर ट्राइंग टू फॉर्मुलेट समथिंग बिकॉज माई प्रॉब्लम इज नॉट विद द बेस्ट वेन दे मेक मिस्टेक्स एवरी टाइम बिकॉज अगेन वो डिपेंड करता है माई प्रॉब्लम विद द बेस्ट एंड नॉट द बेस्ट ऑल्सो द एंग्लोस्फेयर नाउ बिकॉज आई थिंक इफ आई लुक एट द जोग्राफी ऑफ द यूरोपियन यूनियन आई डोंट थिंक दैट दे आर सींग द सेम वे एज अमेरिका एंड ब्रिटेन फॉर दैट मैटर आई थिंक दे हैव अ डिफरेंट अप्रोच एंड वी हैव टू रिस्पेक्ट दैट नुआंस especially france greece and others uh economic policy mein kya hota hai so for example when reaganism came in right the time when anti trust law came in so fast and uh, it was the boom right the 1990s reagan started and left a legacy which was followed by bill clinton and all of those people and we see these companies getting leverage they spread across the world and uh, capitalism was redefined in very really interesting ways but uh neoliberal policies what do they generally do is that they definitely quantify and atomize now that is a legitimate argument to some extent now people can say okay but capitalism has always been like this which we refer to the basic aspects of supply demand and what not that's a different question altogether but my issue has not been that because even with the same we can say for socialism which is distributive justice and what not how you distribute how you provide welfare wo sab theek hai to that extent it is operative which is fine but i mean if i say that you come up with an economic policy which is really affecting human dignity and after some time it is not something which is innocent or honest or any ni ho gaya pata nahi tha but lag raha hai by proof that it is then yes it is problematic so economic policy is one example i can talk about how mnc's influence other countries especially global south countries not just india but others india ne thoda koshish kiya but again india has its own share of issues um environmental policy definitely i have yeah. this thing ki clarity ka problem hai uh, the west does not understand that uh, climate change unhone hi create kiya hai and uh, yeah. even when they outsourced production to china China also contributed to the creation of climate change. Global warming. Yeah, no, yeah. I would, I would say they are still doing it. Like, we yeah. cannot say that they have stopped. They have just uh, outsourced their work to the east. Hmm. Yeah. And east is polluting um, on their behalf. So. Hmm. So, they don't even recognize that. So when in Paris, the Paris Accords were being discussed, India ne clearly bola tha that no, we can't agree with your position that poor countries. should first you know what be levied with some percentage of carbon emissions being redu- reduced no we have to develop pehle aap kariye fir hum karenge that was india's policy and that is how you know in the draft of the paris accords changes were made it was a successful move by the mea and it was great so common with differentiated responsibilities which is a very good idea in environment law the west has still not uh, gone so far one more aspect of linear policy handling of covid so yeah i'm not getting on the origin theory of covid not my field i'm not a health expert i'm not joe rogan <laughs> but uh, uh, i'll say that uh, uh, when it comes to distribution of vaccines and the efficacy of vaccines that has been a big problem as compared to indian vaccines because indian vaccines with icmr has been very clear with its standards and all of this you can say there are certain problems with the phase 3 trials what not of covaxin earlier but now that's not the case anymore both the vaccines have done so far pretty well and even some new drugs and some new measures are already coming through the 
government of india so the india the indian approach has been very centralized for good because for a great country great nahi bolna chahiye big country uh, context wise weird ho jayega so it's a big country and due to those reasons yes it made sense but for the west um the problem was that in america there is an anti vaxxer thing going on because of the weird vaccine mandates in fact it happened just a few months ago that i don't know why the biden administration never understood it but if you are promoting such a policy wherein you are completely overstretching people to force them for this they will not be vaccinated because they will not be interested to do so and if you are doing it in a way to affect their economic livelihood and all of that it also backlashes further there is a conciliatory way to do so we do not value sometimes the way our local authorities in india basically promoted vaccination i think it can be an awesome case study and this is where i think linear policy ka problem hai ki ye jante the ki aisa nahi karna chahiye but they still did it okay then i can say geopolitics also i see the linear trend if uh, i don't know if you know about it obama did, uh, the the us did not leave afghanistan specifically for you know what they had to agree with taliban there was a larger reason too there was an issue of poppy cultivation for drugs and the us under obama in 2015 had stated uh, had realized that poppy cultivation se jo drugs ka intake ho raha tha basically the material that you need for making drugs in usa wo itna ho chuka tha that even at the at the in the obama administration era it was being thought of to withdraw from afghanistan this was one of the biggest reasons to do so uh yeah, the the argument that democracy fails and all of that does not work out because most of the money which went for 10 to 20 years from the us to afghanistan in the name of taxpayer money whatever that actually came back to the us in large amounts much of it was not even in properly invested in afghanistan so 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 the afghan people were basically made fool out of it and That's that is the same how- same model by which iraq war also took place like that is their thing so <laughs> yeah i think uh, i can just uh, yeah yeah so 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 they did the, the, that that way and it eventually did not work uh, uh uh even with ukraine we know that uh, <laughs> war or not ukraine is in a deep slumber right now because uh, um uh, first of all ukraine is a buffer state like any other buffer state like belarus and others and this was something which was already agreed way before the cold war era between russia and prussia which is now germany so 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 historically all of these eastern european states have been buffer states but uh, economic cooperation etc with the russians while the germans have been trying to do through nord stream and etc we know that uh, oil uh, the fuel is very needed for you know energy in europe and germany also has been doing one mistake by basically closing down nuclear nuclear power plants which is very counterproductive Fr- netherlands has basically avoided that problem france has avoided that problem and even greece is trying to overcome this very smartly because there are certain lobbyists in europe who are saying ki dekho ye german lobbyist ka ho gaya khatam after merkel we just can't accept their policy because this is very counterproductive for european union as a whole so they are changing their ways okay and even when boris johnson says that you know what we have done brexit and global britain what not why is it that uh, the trends of global britain's behavior towards ukraine and russia have been of the same trend you have been doing the same way with the russians when you were a part of the eu 
एंड योर पॉलिसी हैज नॉट चेंज सो लीनियर पॉलिसी ही है यू हैव नॉट थॉट समथिंग क्रिएटिव वो अलग बात है दैट यू हैव अ कंपल्शन आई एम नॉट गेटिंग ऑन दैट पार्ट इवन ऑन एनवायरनमेंट और इंटरनेशनल ट्रेड आई अंडरस्टैंड दैट यस देयर आर कंपल्शंस सो दीस आर सम ऑफ द लीनियर ट्रेंड्स व्हिच आई सी आई कैन टॉक अबाउट टेक्नोलॉजी इंटीग्रेशन आल्सो हाउ स्टार्टअप्स आर क्रिएटेड एंड यू नो अनसस्टेनेबल यूनिकॉर्न्स इन द यूएस केम इन आई कैन टॉक अबाउट एआई पॉलिसी सो वो सब तो मुझे नहीं करना टेक्नोलॉजी थोड़ा कॉम्प्लिकेटेड होता है बट ये सब ट्रेंड्स मैंने देखे हैं फॉर अ लेमन अंडरस्टैंडिंग ऑफ दोस हु बीइंग वॉच दिस सो दैट्स हाउ आई सी द ट्रेंड सो या राइट या एंड अबाउट दैट इन पर्टिकुलरली सो वन ऑफ द थिंग्स व्हिच यू यू सेड लाइक लिबरल ऑर्डर क्लियरली सीम्स टू बी फेलिंग कॉन्स्टिट्यूशनलिज्म नाउ लाइक 5 इयर्स अगो आई आई वुड नॉट हैव मेड दिस कमेंट्स व्हिच आई एम मेकिंग नाउ सो I had not thought deeply about constitutionalism. I had taken it like, yeah, that is a way you can work. But now I feel like it's like at least three, four years. I feel it's very absurd idea to start off in the first place. So I don't know. Like it is maybe benefit of hindsight. Everyone can make those comments and sound smart. But people making those decisions did not have this benefit of hindsight. So again, that is one part. So the global liberal order is failing. and there can be no two ways about it so particularly about keeping the legacy and going forward so what i liked about your article in particular was you were trying to like it it felt like an honest enquiry first of all it did not it did not see like i did not get a feel that you were con- super confident about either way and you had some first principles that okay these are these are few things with neoliberalism which i think are not going to su- succeed but that doesn't mean everything everything has to go like not to throw the baby out with the bathwater and uh, particularly i like the enquiry note of enquiry in the in the article or even in what you said so i mean uh, not many people are doing that so that may be because this doesn't doesn't get you popular like doesn't get popular responses doesn't enrage anyone doesn't doesn't motivate anyone because it is like the middle path which might be the most pragmatic path but that doesn't turn on people in some way so like i would like more people to like uh, try and uh, formulate these thoughts so maybe what you try to write deserves a book by some scholar at some point i mean yeah that was one thing yeah i really appreciate uh, your humble comments so thank you so much for that and uh, as far as uh, the phenomena is concerned i was trying to be honest because um i'm not being self righteous i'm not here and i'm being just honest here simply because i, I just saw a trend and i thought okay if you are really interested in the project as it is you should do it properly isn't it mm-hmm. i'm not saying that uh, what i propose is everything because it's not how it works i have never thought of it in that way so i will never propose that uh, you can think of uh, anything which is horizontally similar to it and you can come up some bit something better maybe some convergence can happen because uh, even when human evolution happens we come up with these things we have our flaws then we review them again then we do it so that is a cycle which goes on but leaving that aside i think uh 
you know let's can let, let's little bit come on constitutionalism also and i used to like it long back uh simply because uh, i mean why not i mean a welfare state which helps people who are poor who are in the bpl category they should be helped up right and uh, the state should be responsible for that and that is perfectly fine with me because i think uh, for a country like india we need to do that but um when you have those ideas which are counterproductive so let me give an example what do i mean by it i saw a funny comment i don't know you were not on twitter maybe but uh, <laughs> there is an ambassador at large from the us government for international religious freedom he I saw. Yeah, yeah. Saw it came on WhatsApp as well. Yeah, it very, was. Good, very good. <laughs> very good. Very few things. Very few things like trigger me. I uh, try to be very moderate, but that was one of the things which triggered me. I was almost going to write a blog post, but I did not. <laughs> yeah, but, it is yeah. not worth it anymore because it's a simple virtue signaling policy. So he said certain things. I'm not going to comment on them, but I'll just say. that somebody for, who claimed to understand international law try to defend and i'll tell you how international law is misinterpreted by people so now somebody said human rights is something which is not an internal matter but a universal matter therefore anyone can subject intervention or anyone can actually call out that was the argument yeah yeah na okay then let us come to environment a little bit because environment and human rights are also related isn't it there is there something called the 1971 stockholm declaration in which article 1 or article which one i don't remember i think first article only recognizes that every country has sovereignty over its natural resources acha why was it done why did it not start with something like everybody has in <laughs> you know environment is everything and all of that aisa to nahi hota na you start with the legal basis which makes sense why did it make sense here it made sense here simply because it was said that first of all have sovereignty over something which you can protect because the core conception of european sovereignty has been and uh, you can counter the you know you can come on the merits and demerits i'm not talking about that but that is something which most countries have adopted with nation state which uh, to some extent jsd also talks about in his book but uh, uh, one thing which he goes wrong is a little bit about icj where he says that the 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 phrase standard of civilization has to do with christian coloniality which is something i disagree with because uske baad bhi kuch likha hua tha but still fine it's a different debate altogether uh league of nations we understand that yes it had a colonial role and all of that what he can they had a specific thing for the ottomans they had a specific thing for indians and asians fine but isme kya hota hai when traditional sovereignty is asserted it means sovereign equality a country is sovereign and equal and it should be capable to defend uh, and protect and therefore safeguard the basic rights of an individual who is a citizen and a non citizen non citizen ke liye alag tarike se hota but we are talking about a citizen ideally so uh, you know protecting the rights of an individual is important but uh, uh, i am just uh, you know obstruct to see that there is no proper literature on even finding an evidence based approach to say how do you want to intervene which has been the core problem with how obama obama dealt with libya and how the principle of responsibility to protect was misused to completely destroy libya's sovereignty it was done for, uh, for you know gold basically gold reserves it was done for oil in libya it was uh, not done for some human rights or some liberal reason as they claim it 
neither I'm going to say liberalism is good or not or what. That's a different question altogether. So the person who says that comment, I found it very hilarious because then they will say, oh, so we can comment on you, but we need to give you evidence. So we'll give you this evidence. Okay. Uh, but how will you quantify it? Do you know better than the local police, which is handling that aforesaid matter? I don't think so. You are uh, somewhere in Germany or Switzerland doing something. You don't know. So first of all, if you're really interested to do so, have an evidence-based approach. Even for example, in commercial law, if for example, a foreign company has an issue with an Indian company, the foreign, uh, and some it has happened in the jurisdiction of the Indian company, they will come to a high court, right? They can. They can come to the Supreme Court. Unless there is an international court already, like in WTO or the ICJ. But in general, you can come to the high court or the Supreme Court, right? Because the, you have to respect municipal laws. This is how it works. Because this is something which is fine, which is perfectly harmonious. It's not something which is perfect. It's just harmonious. I rather say it's harmonious because countries do it that way. China has its own investment policy in Europe. Uh, you must have heard about the controversy that the European Parliament had rejected, uh, basically stalled China's uh, uh, investment agreement with the EU. Because uh, when it comes to labor policy and investment policy, the Chinese were <laughs> skewed <laughs> and very controversial. And I would say unreasonable, arbitrary. So, so wo sab hai. but again, I have not seen evidence-based approach. And you know what the uh, sad irony with uh, international law is? With international human rights law specifically, it's not the Europeans who cause the problem. It is people from the Anglophone who those scholars who read international human rights law, they come up with extremely unreasonable literature which has no evidence, either it is too radical, which is based on a straw man, or it is it is not possible to be implemented because there's no evidence, there's no base, there's no, there's no, there's no focus on, you know, reviewing international law. Ironically, India is one of the few countries in the world which has tried to make international law more sane and reasonable, which is what we see in India's environment policy, which we see in India's humanitarian aid approach, which we see in India's you know, sovereign equality approach. Right now, just today, uh, Minister Jayashankar explicitly said that Ukraine is not related to the Quad's geography, so we don't care about Ukraine, which is right. It doesn't matter for India. Right. Uh, he said, you just can't have unreasonable sanctions on Myanmar. Let the matter be dealt properly because, yes, there are strategic interests, but we know that sanctions don't work in international law. 60% of them just don't. Military, economic, both of them don't. Uh, they never worked on uh, Russia, for that matter, properly. How would they work on other countries? So, so they have so, not so, even worked like, yeah. Hmm. So, uh, in that sense, in that sense, the efficacy of international law is based on the countries who do it, who make things happen. I can tell you historical examples where the Soviets and the Americans have agreed on international space law. How? They basically propose their committee drafts. The Americans come up with something in the UN corpus, which is a committee in the U General Assembly. And then after some years, we accept the ILC through, through International Law Commission. <laughs> so we stall kiye There are some diplomatic negotiations and they agree. My point is, my point is, international law already has a structure which provides you diplomatic outreach. But if you are going exactly. to use your power dynamics in a worse way, you are actually denigrating the wholesome purpose of international law. But it also doesn't you mean are international signaling. Yeah. Huh? So you are just so virtue signaling. So in that it then case. doesn't, yeah. In, so in that, it, it doesn't help international law to even transform. 
I just really want if if people trust multilateral institutions, why shouldn't be made global? But it can only be made global, which uh, when when a proper consultation with other actors also happens, which similarly, uh, which similarly, I think African, Singaporean, Japan, Japanese, so developed countries, matter they do a lot now. They have done a lot. Um, Indians they should always uh, you know have uh, their own say. So so. I think this is the problem with the constitutionalism that abstract idea here it doesn't serve anything it's impractical it's I remember I don't know it's one very interesting long time ago there was some protest happening and one politician says um, uh, the government must understand because people uh, those are those who are the students they're fighting for some abstract cause it's an intangible cause it should be respected therefore more but yeah if it's an intangible cause then it is more undemocratic or weird because it is then arbitrary na because even a mm. protest has a point plan you just uh, i mean doctors also protest workers also protest they have a specific point plan ja ke labor law pad le koi bhi aise thodi na hota so if you if you have an unsustainable policy you are doing it for resonating reasons there is some serious problem with people who don't understand certain basics which is why i consider that yes there is a colonial coloniality effect in the way we interpret our laws yes because there are norms which are created but it also doesn't mean everything is colonial it means that we created the indian space but we were lazy in not going forward i can tell you before 1975 there were excellent judgment by supreme courts the supreme court has been very interestingly doing well ye pil wala jab time shuru hota 1990s that was the mm. time when the supreme court judgments have not gone pretty well because i mean various media houses try to troll judges they try to misbehave with honorable judges and this is with respect to the judges who are working hard not especially in the supreme court anymore but the high court people who are doing the main work they have a lot of pendency too and they also deal with them. so so i i think that if synergy is possible between creating something which is indic it should be done by understanding indian realities i just see that there is a lack because uh, we we have understood the bad part of the west but we have also not understood the moderate part of the west how the west interacted with us but that is where i think the the larger the larger, the sooner we understand i think uh, anglosphere is not something which 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 would be which would be a big issue for us because i think we can do very well with europe we can very well do with the other countries we just think that it's not possible it's not true i think there are already avenues happening i can tell you collaboration on environment and digital connectivity already between india and the eu so that's why i wrote this article but that's for my us so i'll take one more question because we are concluding so yeah yeah so uh, what do you like what do you see going forward like what sort of policy changes or directional changes so you you talked about strategic uh, india putting its strategic interests above some abstract ideals so that has been like if i am not mistaken that has been more or less the policy india has taken many years so one of the things which was different was we did not have a huge market which we have today and we had much less muscle power to get things done so now that is changing so what what fruitful way in international relations can we go ahead that is one part and if uh this rejection of colonial hangover so to speak so everyone uh keeps talking about it but what are the concrete steps that can be done to do it like it's more than getting claps and uh, applause lines 
so uh-huh. so what are the concrete steps we can do we can take to get over that colonial hangover so that it's it's in the past like i don't think it will be in the past in 50 years or 25 years it can take any number of time but at least there has to be some concrete plan that okay we have recognized these four five aspects are colonial so the problem may be that people may not agree this is colonial this is not colonial that is one chain of arguments which can be so but i am assuming we we go through the reads so to speak and find out like agree that these four five leg these four five things are colonial legacies we can say maybe two three are ambivalent or good two three we need to remove that's so, definitely so what is the like what is the approach we as a government or for individual people Anyone. who are commenting yeah what what is the approach anyone, we have to take anyone should do correct so i think uh, i think the first answer to the question is that maybe there is no answer initially but i think that's a good proposition to start with and i'll tell you why because when we say that there is no absolute answer you'll try you'll try to find some residual solutions too because it's more like healing yourself it's more like mm. Uh, uh you know you don't revisit the history you try to correct it that's a better answer right. uh, i would say because uh, i don't know somebody tweeted it about it and i agree with it so much that i retweeted it but i think people wrongly say revisiting history no you are correcting history you are trying to make history better and factual and reasonable right so this is one field so i think recognizing that there is no rocket science solution for this neither there is some absolute solution is the best way forward to ek dimag mein sanity rehti that whatever policy Sub problem is with anything right yeah but i'm not getting on the moral question whether something is good or bad because that is not my choice to do so jisko karna kare that is their individual collective blah 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 choices so i'm not getting on moral choices i'm getting on practical choices uh you have factual analysis definitely but at the same time you also a tendency that you know what since these things develop at the same time you can see how you can perpetuate and ensure that the that your own legacy that you wish to carry forward for your generations because it's not just about your present it's also about your future aapke baad bhi to log aayenge koi aapko padhega dekhega ki aapne kya effort kiye hain to agar dekhega to in that sense you have to at least be honest and analyze that i like this conception by deen dayal upadhyay who say, who used to say that india has a cultural essence this is a very mm. accurate description of understanding india as a civilization that cultural essence defines us it you know and that is something which has been very intriguing so we need to learn how to use continuity in a smarter way we need to learn how to uh, you know uh, you know uh, i would say uh, neutralize or basically change the way linear policies work or create a counter linear policy which is to say that you know what okay there are certain linear policies which are causing you issues then you should go for sustainability and now sustainability doesn't mean to stop because again it depends from a policy matter to policy matter so i'm making a schematic assumption here uh, it's a broad generalization in a digressed way so i apologize anyways but uh, uh, when you do it that way at least you will be responsible enough to find what is your permeable indigeneity so i i i, I wrote a report on competition law with my team and uh, uh, we came up uh, uh, there was a section of decolonization which i had covered and i had stated that uh i think we need a, an approach of pip which is a policy of and uh, i don't remember right now pip stands for something 
so uh, i think i would share the link afterwards maybe uh, but it was about having indigenous policy which is not inclined in having you know saying that you know what it should be ideally done just because it was it was because in certain cases you can but in certain cases you might not be able to so let us say in architecture you can chalo maan lete hain maan lijiye kuch mein nahi kar pa what will you do about that the same can happen for law the same can happen for others then jab is stage pe aayenge then the next question will be policy pragmatism does it work now because each civilization think about it that is a different issue ki aap us pe research karna chahte ho us pe criticism karna chahte ho ki nahi that's a different issue right you can still study about any policy aspect you don't need to implement it you need to study about it if you wish to for better knowledge and what not kar lijiye but these two things can happen simultaneously i think as a as a as, a, as an increasingly mature society if we are we have to be we have to think that way and uh, it is depends on a field to field so i tried to generalize but uh, these two things i found common ki pro policy pragmatism and openness and basically having true commitment to traditional knowledge ki jisse aisa na ho ki aage chalke ayurveda ko sab log quackery kehte rahe i really wish that ayurveda uh, you know leads to be made make better standards or uh, i think it can happen in terms of sustainability i had a talk with halaji and wakibs kiran on uh, ai now and we had discussed the same that uh, standards can be made but wo time lagega wo ek din mein nahi hoga in fact even jeev shiv kumar ji agrees that history may be when we have to come up with the uh, models it will take a long time but fine i mean uh, if people are really interested in civilization as a cause as they say it's perfectly okay i mean uh, that's what you vouch for that's what you subscribe for which is fine so this is how i see If I would say in my field it depends. My field is different, but uh, mm-hmm. in my field I say um, I believe in a bot- bottom-top approach to things mm-hmm. rather than a top-down approach because top-down me why it is incremental, not there is no way, there is no way. Then it goes missing, some problem will happen. Its wounds have not been healed. It is parallel, it doesn't help anyone. So I am all for bottom-top. Provided that we understand virtual trusteeship, which is to say, that virtually we are doing what we are doing, what we are doing, what we are doing. That can define our fiscal policy, that can define our economic policy, that can define our R&D policy, and everything in various ways. So this is my quote-unquote generalization, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, any fi- final remarks you wish to give as we end? Yeah. yeah so one of the things I mean. history decolonization all these things can go on like i personally don't have many like lot of strong views on these things but one thing that can be and should be non negotiable is the sovereignty of the nation state and that like unless that comes before everything we will like we will go into problems so you shouldn't like maybe words like traitor and those things are like not the place where we would want to go but respect for sovereignty of a democratically elected government or the institutions of the government has to be like we like uh, whatever whatever uh, path we go down whether it is deracinated whether it is not deracinated whether it is traditionalist whatever it is unless like unless we can agree on something which is that the sovereignty of the nation state is sacrosanct so to speak sacred i don't see we being able to take any route we want and being successful so 
some basic assumption something which is common yeah so this i particularly feel today in light of that comment which you made earlier about that tweet by the like so i'm again this is topical because it was last couple of days i feel this way maybe in a week's time i will feel differently so that yeah. that's perfectly fine with and i have no issues with it so uh, that's perfectly fine so yeah i mean um, yeah of course i mean and that is why i mean every civilization has a has its own art to see what yeah. sovereignty and is and just one thing the neoliberal order or the liberal order is based on limited sovereignty so only a limited number number of players in the liberal game had sovereignty and we did not have sovereignty from the get go so i love their order but i want it to be our order not their order so that is the difference it is that order has been great for the people who were active sovereigns of the role like of the order but we were not and we should not lose track of that that we were not part of that club that club is very good it's good for their members but we were not part of it and so we can learn from it but yeah so we can have those two thoughts right. that the order is great and the uh, structures organizations everything which came out of liberalism are great but but we were not part of that like so to speak we can take it but we like again maybe i am uh, saying the same things in different words but yeah maybe we got to that i'll say i'll say i'll just say i'll just say humbly but it it doesn't matter whether we take forward liberal order or not i'll just say that uh, we need to redefine the way we see mobility and i think we'll just go fine yeah i mean something will yeah. be in future ho sakta hai wo liberal order na ho who knows so right it can be anything uh, unless it is uh, i mean every country has its global ambitions you also should have a little bit mujhe nahi lagta problem hai uh uh, uh so i think uh, there with the discussion ends so thank you so much gaurav i think uh, people have yeah. people will have mixed views once they will watch this but i think they will like this and i that's why i thought of a quick uh, session on this so let's see but i think yeah. i loved it i enjoyed the session so just would request you yeah. to stay for 2 minutes post the, the broadcast and uh, yeah. till then uh, thank you so much to the viewers it has been a humble pleasure let's say yeah thanks everyone